All right, uh, we are back to podcast. Uh, unfortunately, I was hoping to uh, start back uh, Bible study tonight in person. And of course, if you got my um, my Facebook post today and you saw that, uh, I've been battling something uh, all week, yeah, and um, which you know typically I'm, I'm fine. You know, I don't I don't mind. Uh, teaching, preaching, and with a cold, done it many, many times. Uh, just had a fever this week. Uh, basically, if I don't, if I'm not taking Dayquil, I take a lot of Dayquil. Uh, the Dayquil will reduce the fever, knock the fever out, and then when it wears off, it kind of, kind of uh, uh, go back to having the fever again. So. I wanted to uh, uh, be cautious uh, with, with other folks. I know some of our uh, elderly uh, come to Bible study, and uh, I certainly wouldn't want to pass anything on, you know, in, in light of having a fever. So uh, I, I wanted to do a podcast tonight instead. So we're going to 1 Corinthians. Uh, excuse my voice too. I was just real stopped up, uh, but I uh, wanted to go ahead and get going with this. First Corinthians chapter number two. What we're going to do is the uh, the the lesson that we were going to teach on tonight, which was going to be on heaven. I'm actually going to preach on on Sunday morning, so I should be better by Sunday morning. This is the best day I've had, actually, uh, as far as feeling. Uh, I've felt better today than the other days, and so I appreciate all the prayers. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Uh, of course, Paul is uh, vindicating his apostleship. And this is a this is a tough book. This is a tough, uh, scathing letter. The second letter that Paul writes to the Corinthian church is not near as as tough. Yeah, the second one is more of a uh, kind of like Second Timothy. It's a swan song. It's toward the to the end of Paul's ministry and life. But when it comes to Second Corinthians, First Corinthians, it's it's a uh, <coughs> it's a scathing letter. It's a letter where he is rebuking them. He will get to many issues. One of them being um, the um, suing one another. I've talked about that in, in uh, services lately. He is talks about fornication, adultery. Uh, in this, what is happening is a young man is having an affair with his stepmother. There's so all kinds of stuff going on in this church. And what was happening is Paul had established this church um, and done a great work there. But in his absence, other teachers and <clears throat> preachers had come in and they had discredited Paul. They had questioned Paul's apostleship and many other things. And so Paul is writing this letter and for a lot of reasons. And the one that comes to now is, uh, is basically vindicating and validating 
who and what he is in Christ. So he comes to chapter 2 and he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So Paul is, you see, these the Corinthians were a Grecian people, and they loved Greek oratory. They loved great speakers. Uh, you read that often about their love for great speakers, those that could speak well. And uh, we see it today. Uh, a lot of times, if a person could speak well publicly, uh, be it a politician or a preacher, uh, folks will pay attention to what they have to say regardless of what they're saying. I've seen that in politics often. Uh, I've seen politicians speak so smoothly that you think they'd charm a snake. Uh, but what they were saying was lies. And uh, so Paul starts this, this chapter 2 out. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come with uh, excellency of speech. I didn't come to you with wisdom. When I came to declare the testimony of God, the word of God. And then he says for verse number two, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the death of the cross. It's uh, the central to the gospel. And he says, I didn't come to you with uh, excellency of speech. I didn't come to you with a smoothness in the way I spoke. I came to you preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus. Verse 3, and I was with you in weakness. Uh, no doubt he is referring to his fragile body. He, uh, he did definitely have a thorn in the flesh that we see referred to quite often, or at least on another occasion. I preached on that the other week. And so he he's referring to his weakness in body, his fragility in his body. And so he says, I had, as with I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. Now, when he says not with enticing words, he means not flowery words or persuasive language. But he came in the demonstration of the Spirit. Truly spiritual speak preaching. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've listened to preaching for all of my life, essentially. And I've heard preachers that could preach and use very flowery words. They knew what to say to strike all people's emotions. Um, and you would leave... Uh, maybe with an emotional experience, emotional heartstrings being pulled, but the power of God uh, is nowhere present. Farron and I were talking today, we were talking about anointing uh, that comes from God to preach the Word of God. You know, a lot of people have have very enticing words, uh, flowery speech, they may have good delivery and pulpit theatrics, but the reality is uh, we need the power of God as preachers and teachers and uh, Christians for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So not only does a preacher 
I need God's power, but a um, but a Christian, just just a, a Christian that's not a preacher. It says your faith should stand in the power of God. Your faith is resting in God's power. Verse six. How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That means complete. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. So he's saying that we don't use the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world, because it's going to come to an end. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, he's saying here that uh, the princes of this world would be those that would would be in control in this world, those that would uh, be in places of power, the politicians, the kings, uh, those that were ruling authorities. He's saying if they would have known about God's power and they were operating in God's power, they would not have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul's saying is, is these Greek orators are not dealing from the perspective of the power of God. And you know, I know a lot of folks listening to a lot of preaching, a lot of teaching, and you should, but you should always try the Spirit's to see if they be of God. And how do you do that? Well, does what they or does what they say line up with God's word? And if it doesn't, then don't expose yourself to that. So go to verse number four. I'm sorry, verse number nine. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So that verse number nine is a promise of future glories. That's what I'm teaching on on Sunday morning. Uh, but it, it speaks of not just heaven, but blessings here of, of salvation on earth. And they are enjoyed through the Holy Spirit. I'll show you that in just a minute. So it is saying, I have not seen, so nothing that you can see with your, your physical eye, nor ear heard, so nothing that you've heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, so nothing that you could really even imagine is, is the point of reference here. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So God has so much more in store for us, whether it be uh, heaven after this life, but more specifically and, and just as importantly, uh, the spirit-filled life down here. And I've had a lot of experiences in my 47 years. I really have done a lot of living, met a lot of people, and experienced a lot. And I can tell you that the joy that you experience walking in the demonstration of the Spirit of God in fellowship, in lockstep with Him, and having it to affect your your life in a positive manner cannot be replaced. It's the greatest thing on this earth. And that's what he's saying in verse 9. Verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. 
for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit will search all things. And uh, the, the Spirit of God teaches us. The greatest teacher on the Bible, the greatest teacher that you'll ever find is that of the Spirit of God. Verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So what Paul's saying here is he is putting great emphasis on God's Spirit and the ministry of His Spirit. Here's, here's the importance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, when He, he walked the earth, his, his ministry, to be quite frank with you, was very limited. That's not wrong to say. That's not blasphemous to say. That's truth. I mean, he, he didn't minister very far away from his home. Uh, he didn't minister to many people. He did what he could while he could, but he didn't reach the whole world, not yet. But he died on the cross, and if you remember in John 14, 15, 16, he told his disciples that it is expedient that I go away. For if I go away, I will send again another comforter unto you. And he will teach you all things and guide you into all truth. And so he is telling them that it is right, it is proper, it is the correct thing that I go away. And the reason that it was is because... This, this gospel, this ministry would be expanded to all the earth. Well, Jesus came in human form. He couldn't be all everywhere at once. He, he was a human. He was God, but he came in the form of a human. So we introduced the Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit of God has always been present, always. Along with God the Father, God the Son, always been present. However, the New Testament um, reality and working of the Spirit of God, He dwells in believers, He convicts, He teaches, and when He lives in us, He will reprove us of sin, but He also teaches us. He, he, he operates in us and through us, and that's how we teach others, and that's how we... Uh, make the ministry possible. That's how we witness to others. That's how we learn the Bible. Uh, we are to pray in the Spirit. So the ministry of the Spirit is important. And the Spirit of God can be everywhere at once. He's omnipresent. Jesus, again, was not omnipresent. And therefore, that is the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. And verse number 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You've often heard me say that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. 
And so you you learn the Bible from the Bible. That's why when I'm teaching or preaching, we run a lot of cross-references or turn to this place or that place. And the reason is, is because that's what we're doing. We're comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Now watch this. Verse 14. But the natural man, that's the flesh, that's that which is not saved. That's an unsaved person living in the natural man. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I'll tell you a good litmus test on if someone's saved or not. You say, preacher, you sometimes seem to know or act like you know who's saved and who's not. I, I'll tell you, I don't. But I know some pretty good birthmarks. One of them is this. Verse number 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, everybody's not going to know all the Bible. I understand that. You've got different levels of knowledge, different levels of learning. However, when someone is being taught the Bible and it is taught in spirit and truth, it is given to them in truth, it's given to them in context, and you must remember the Spirit of God inspired that Bible. When someone is a child of God and they've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of them, when they see it, when they are shown it, when the Spirit of God shows it, or when somebody led of the Spirit of God shows it, they have the Spirit of God dwelling in them if they're saved. And they will look to that, and they will say, I get it. I may not have saw it before. I may not even like it. I might not completely understand it, but I get that. I see what you're saying. I see it in the Bible now. I had two precious older saints of God this past Sunday. I have, it was after the message on Barnabas. And they said, you know, we've read these things our entire lives. But you show us this in a different way or maybe a way we haven't seen it. You see, that is great, great examples and uh, proof of one's salvation. They look at it and they say, aha. I see that. It makes perfect sense. It wasn't me that taught it necessarily. It was the Spirit of God that validated it. Do you see the importance of the Spirit of God in ministry? It is a aspect of ministry that has been forgotten. Uh, we are getting by, or not we, but many in the church today are getting by on programs and slideshows and PowerPoints and and business models and so forth, but we need the Spirit in the presence of the Spirit of God. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So, 
Um, verse number 13, the spiritual was spiritual. This is the great doctrines of the faith. They should be studied uh, by comparing one part of Scripture with another. They, they never contradict each other. Do you know that? The Bible does not contradict itself. That's why you have to study and compare Scripture with Scripture within its given context. Then we see in verse 14 the reference to the natural man. And that is the reference to man before he is born again, man in his natural state. Then in verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. And uh, and that's how Paul closes this chapter. As Christ dwells and fills the believer, so the mind is renewed and becomes the channel for his thoughts. So the Bible teaches us here that the key to being driven by Christ and driven driven by his spirit and operating in his spirit is is having the renewing of your mind. The Bible teaches that. So we see that we have the mind of Christ at our salvation. So we begin to think like him. We begin to think as he would think. We begin to think on him. And as we think on him, and he in us, and we in him, then the byproduct of that would be the mind of Christ. We would be, and that that's what it is. We are disciples. We are learners. And he is our teacher. He is our, our Lord, our master. And we are learning from him. And have you ever been taught by someone at, at work or maybe in school and over a period of time, you begin to think like they do. Well, that's the objective here. Over a period of time, as we are exposed to God's Word and Bible teaching, you're to not think like Sean Brigman. You're not to think like some other preacher. You are to think like Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Paul never wanted anyone to think like him. He wanted them to think like Jesus. Sean Brigman doesn't want folks to think like him. He wants folks to think like Jesus. So what I teach you and show you and demonstrate for you from the scriptures is the Word of God and how it, it should be taught and then how it should be received. And then from that point forward, how it should be responded to. And that is to think and, and, and respond like Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. So, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, we've spent this, these few moments, about 25 minutes tonight, um, about, about the same amount of time. Um, we've spent this time tonight teaching on the importance of the Spirit of God in your life, in your ministry, in your walk with God from your mind to your, your, your reactions and your responses and the things that you do and say. And that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's so important. It's more important than anything else we have and anything else we do is the work and the power and the ministry of the Spirit of God. He has to minister for us and through us. And that should always be our prayer and desire. So point into Sunday, pray that the Spirit of God would have free reign, free course, 
and be able to operate and in the hearts and the lives of people at Bethany Baptist Church. Please pray for me. I, uh, I, I've got a little winded here. Uh, certainly by Sunday I'll be fine. Uh, again, this has been my best day physically. Um, this week, Monday, I began to feel bad. Yesterday was a very tough day. The nights, the nights are always hardest when you're when you're not feeling well or you got some kind of virus. Uh, I have had fever. That's why I moved podcast. Uh, typically, that's when you're contagious is when you when you have the fever. And so, I have had a uh, fever off and on basically when I've taken the medicine. I haven't had it. When the medicine wears off, it'll come back. But today, I've noticed it getting better. So, to err on the side of caution, we. Uh, went to podcast mode tonight, and we will be back in person on Sunday, Sunday morning, and uh, we're praying that God will help us and uh, use me mightily, pray for me in the Spirit of God, and I'll be praying for you, and we're looking forward to teaching and preaching on heaven and the renewal of all things. I hope you have a great week. I love each one of you. Good night, and God bless.